How lovely! Would you care for some tea? Oh, I'm fine. I have cheese. <laughs> May 31st, 2023, and this is Rare Encounter, Encounter number 148, and hauling iron with severed brake lines, I'm Abel Kirby. And constantly distracted by anime booty, I'm Cold Acid. We're back once again. It's May 31st, the end of the May. End of the May! You know what that means? I uh, don't know. What does it mean? It means that tomorrow is June. Oh no. Yeah. Beginning of the June. Beginning of the June. I, I hate Junes. I, I'm 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 okay with it. It's just that it just that it starts off with some kind of important days for me. You know, like my mom's birthday and my late father's birthday. Oh yeah, yeah. So I got oh. I got that to look forward to. A lot, uh, of, a lot of birthdays going around these days. Yeah, it's a Popular it's a very time. yeah. Uh, what was it nine months ago? That's the question. <laughs> nine months ago, uh, it was 2022. I know that. <laughs> what time of the year? Uh, I suppose it would be uh, fall? Fall semester? Maybe? I guess. And I guess people getting warm up with each other and, well, you know, you know how, what that leads to. Mm, a lot of parties. Yes. All right, I got my uh, Yingling right here, and I saw you, which is what I call the uh, this traditional lager. What'd you get? Mm -hmm. It's mango haritos. Haritos. <laughs> yes, of course, mango. I had one of those the other day. By the way, I don't think I ever mentioned it to you. Like that's pretty good. I I, I actually picked up two haritos today. Oh, two haritos. <laughs> A rare double Horitos on Rare Encounter. As I was saying, as I was saying, the other one I drank with my burrito uh, before the show. You drank your burrito? I, no, I drank the Horitos <laughs> with my burrito. Uh, with my burrito at it at my side. What? <laughs> we, uh, we rode down the mighty rivers of British Columbia. <laughs> oh shit, now I'm getting everything On confused. the highway I would ride. My burrito by my side. <laughs> I am a highwayman. That's a highwayman. You, you've got your next album already. Uh, <laughs> you're already working on your next album. As huh? we roll down the skyway. Yeah. Oh, my burrito. It is so tasty. It is so full of delicious meat. Wait, that sounds gay. <laughs> that sounds really gay. Man, I did get some music done. I got a, I got a little demo on that Hog Story uh, music show, which uh, uh, yeah, I know, I know that was pretty cool. I, uh, I I I missed part of it because because the uh, the closing ceremonies and demos of completed games for Toe Jam mm. uh, kind of overlapped. But I do believe I did get to hear at least one of your songs as it was actually played. Yep, uh, I got one in. There was one stuff from, um, let's see, Lorian and Fletcher did some stuff. That was fantastic. And, uh, you know, Carolyn, Fletcher, they're always doing good things. And I think it's yeah. Carolyn's birthday today, I think. It I is. Know. Happy birthday, Carolyn Blaney. Oh, Carolyn, happy Woo! birthday. Hold on. Good job. No, wait, that's not. This is the one <laughs> for job. birthdays. 
There we go. No, they put on a fun uh, show every time they do that. Uh, they do that. What's it called? Poetry slams and stuff. Whatever. It's yeah, uh, poetry slams. It's a pretty good, uh, pretty good segment that they do once in a while. I was surprised by the high quality uh, music, especially if if you haven't heard it, you have to go listen to Hey Citizen songs that got played out there. Uh, they were up at the beginning, and it was a yeah. I heard those. Wild. I heard those ones right at the beginning. <laughs> those were fantastic. So yeah, good show. Uh, good you know, show. You know, one of these days, I'm going to actually get around to processing all the all this paperwork I have going back to when I was still in high school. So like over 20 years old stuff of my writings as a teenager. And some of that has already been like earmarked for future poetry slam because back when I first mentioned that, yeah, I'm going to take all these things. I'm going to scan them in so I can get rid of the actual paper. And like Carolyn and Fletcher were like, well, you got poetry there. Well, you're going to have to share it with us. I'm Mm. like, Okay, this this can't this can't end poorly for me. My horrible, horrible, like tuny slash like pseudo goth poetry bullshit. Well, I think uh, I've liked your stuff. I've commented on it before. I think we did uh, some reads of it once upon a this, time. Yeah, my my later my- stuff. My later stuff is better because that was. Mostly me just like writing irrelevantly, but this is this is but this is like some fucking some of it's like real edge lord shit and some of it is like you know it wouldn't be out of place for a Japanese eighth grader to write it. And as as we all know, you are a professional Japanese eighth grader. Sometimes, yes, I am with uh, with decades of experience. <laughs> Oh man! Well, we have uh, we have some operations to get to today. Uh, this is the do we ever th- the penultimate of this format where we have operations instead of stories. Uh, so far, the the uh, format is basically the exact same format, except we call things operations instead of so- stories. I think, but uh, it's still fun to do. Uh, I want to kick it off with uh, some clips that I just want to get out of the way at the beginning. They're a little lower um, uh, energy, which. But they're incredibly interesting, and it brought me back to some place, um, basically to an academic setting that I was in some time ago with search algorithms. And of course, I'm talking about um, Micromouse. Have you ever heard about Micromouse? Micromouse, as you may know, is this long-running competition um, where you make a mouse that's controlled by a microcontroller, a little robot mouse that maps out a maze, and then... Uh, tries to get to the end as fast as possible, and you get a couple runs, and you can persist memory from you know from all of your runs. So you get kind of five bites of the apple to figure out your best route, and then you get scored based on how fast you can actually get to the end. So there's sort of two parts. One is getting the the um, getting to the point where you understand the maze. You know, the robot understands the maze well enough to make. Uh, the optimum route through it, and then two, actually performing that route as fast as possible. Uh, very cool. And uh, YouTuber uh, Veritasium, who I think is must be famous among uh, our listeners. It, it's a pretty cool channel. They cover a lot of uh, topics in depth. I've always thought that this guy, along with um, uh, who's the Brit Tom, uh, uh, other YouTuber who covers engineering stuff. 
really, really. No, no, the, the only Brit named Tom that I can think of is Tom Baker, and I'm pretty sure you're not talking about Doctor Who here. No, he's an engineer guy. I can't remember his name. Tom Scott, I think, Servo is the uh, the name. Uh, they they've really taken the place of what the Discovery Channel and some other uh, some other programming that used to be on TV. You know, they it left a gap when everything changed to reality television, and these guys are filling yeah. it pretty well. Uh, I've got a couple clips. So it's a very long video with just amazing detail. But uh, they talk about just at the beginning the search algorithms that the mice are, uh, the micro mice are using, and kind of what the the basic kinds of search algorithms are and which ones they they actually use and which ones they don't and why. Uh, and I wanted to bring this up just to maybe as a refresher. I'm sure our audience has heard some of these things before, but I thought it was real fun to go back and, and listen to someone explain these again. Uh, you up for some clips? Yeah. Here we go. I'm so this is up for some clips. Mouse Maze 1, Simple Solver. Solving a maze may sound simple enough, though it's important to remember that with only a few infrared sensors for eyes, the view from inside the maze is a lot less clear than what we see from above. Still, you can solve a maze with your eyes closed. If you just put one hand along one wall, you will eventually reach the end of most common mazes. And that's exactly what some initial MicroMouse competitors realized too. And after a simple wall-following mouse took home gold in the first finals, the goal of the maze was moved away from the edges and freestanding walls were added, which would leave a simple wall-following mouse searching forever. Yeah, so that's the Ooh, first thing. Because nice. that's that's such a famous trick that, oh, if you're in a maze, you just put your one hand on the wall and you keep walking until you get out. With, yeah, if the exit's on the edge of the maze. But if it's in the center and there's freestanding walls, uh, then you, you might... Then you, need, then you need, like, a, a ball of string. Like, uh, like what's his name, who went and fought the, uh, the Minotaur? <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to name... Uh, no, I, I oh, can't the remember name, his name. I forgot the name. Ah. It wasn't Perseus. Well, we're th- I'm pretty sure it wasn't Perseus. Well, you're thinking of that. I'm going to do Perseus? depth depth first search is the first thing they talk about. Your next instinct might be to run through the maze, taking note of every fork in the road. Whenever you reach a dead end or a loop, you can go back to the last intersection and try a different path. If your last left turn got you nowhere, you'd come back to that intersection and go right instead. You can think of this strategy as the one a headstrong mouse might use, running as deep into the maze as it can and turning back only when it can't go any further. This search strategy, known as depth first search, will eventually get the mouse to the goal. The problem is, it might not be the shortest route, because the mouse only turns back when it needs to, so it may have missed a shortcut that it never tried. Yeah, so that's kind of brute force technique number one, depth first, uh, should be familiar to people, especially th- uh, these come I up know when- it's definitely it's definitely a familiar term to me, uh, both depth first and breadth first searches. But I also know I also know them from outside of computing because my brother, who's been on the show before, yes, he I may saw. be work he may be working in uh, in nuclear industry, but he went to university for mechatronics, and so he spent years uh, playing with maze uh, maze running robots. Actually, really. Yeah. Wow. Well, you just mentioned breath first. Uh, I have a clip on that. 
the sibling to this search algorithm, breadth first search, would find the shortest path. With this strategy, the mouse runs down one branch of an intersection until it reaches the next one, and then it goes back to check the path it skipped before moving on to the next layer of intersections. So the mouse checks every option it reaches, but all that backtracking means that it's rerunning paths dozens of times. At this point, even searching the whole maze often takes less time. So why not just do that? A meticulous mouse could search all 256 cells of the maze, testing every turn and corner to ensure it has definitely found the shortest path. But searching so thoroughly isn't necessary either. Yeah, and they go into a um, an algorithm which I've heard before, but I didn't hear it applied to mazes, uh, which is flood fill. And after when they explained it in the video, it's a little more clear. But I I clipped the whole thing. Uh, it's a little bit of a, a, a well, it's the longest clip. It's just over a minute. Uh, I think it's I think it's going to come through in audio. So I just want to play it. And this is the most popular algorithm that they uh, that they actually use. Instead, the most popular micro mouse strategy is different from all of these techniques. It's a search algorithm known as flood fill. This mouse's plan is to make optimistic journeys through the maze. So optimistic, in fact, that on their first journey, their map of the maze doesn't have any walls at all. They simply draw the shortest path to the goal and go. When their optimistic plan inevitably hits a wall that wasn't on their map, they simply mark it down and update their new shortest path to the goal. Running, updating, running, updating, always beelining for the goal. Under the hood of the algorithm, what the micromouse is marking on their map is the distance from every square in the maze to the goal. To travel optimistically, the mouse follows the trail of decreasing numbers down to zero. Whenever they hit a wall, they update the numbers on their map to reflect the new shortest distance to the goal. This strategy of following the numerical path of least resistance gives the flood fill algorithm its name. The process resembles flooding the maze with water and updating values based on the flow. Mm. Okay, <clears throat> uh, that, that actually reminds me of how you're supposed to do, how you're supposed to orienteer yourself in unfamiliar terrain, where you know you're in one place, right? You've been dropped somewhere, like behind enemy lines, right? You got a, you've got a map, and you yep. know where you need to go. A map and a rubber. You don't actually know the lay of the land at all. And this is this is the idea of what you do. You you head straight forward until you come to an obstacle. You work your way around that. You figure what's the new shortest distance, and you go on until you either reach the reach like your exfiltration point, or you get captured or killed by the uh, by the enemy. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, it's has a lot of parallels with some uh, some interesting. Techniques. I remember that from orienteering merit badge, which I did take and got uh, so long. Merit ago. badge. Man, that sounds. That sounds man. like a Boy Scouts things. Man, I was in army cadets. We actually went out into the field in the pouring rain. We had to. We had to do recce and like we had to sneak up on one of our corps officers who was up a tree able to see all of us crawling through the snow on our arms and leg or on our elbow the the fucking you you know what i'm saying <laughs> you're saying like, we we oh, did yeah, we right. did this shit for real 
I don't I, I don't understand where Good you times. get you get this assumption that Boy Scouts never did anything like that because we did all of the same things. We had a bunch of sneak up kinds of games. We had uh, yeah, camping out you, in the rain. Did you do them? Did you do them carrying around twenty twos in public? Uh, didn't carry our twenty twos in public. We were usually in the woods. We did carry our twenty twos sometimes in the woods. Well, I mean, I don't mean like like out on the street corner, like. Hey, I, I'm a teenager carrying a rifle. I just no. I mean, like it's public. It's public property, right? In the the forest, the parklands. Well, you might be interested in the fact that in the U.S. Uh, we have, or at least in Ohio, we have uh, constitutional carry, so you could just carry anywhere. You can buy a gun Man. and wear it on your hip. Walk down Jelly. the street. Yep. And uh, I'm getting some boostograms coming in. We get a couple that just rolled in right now. They and, and I had the sound on, so it was playing on the stream. Uh, we got eight 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 sats from anonymous saying, "Micro mouse betting with sats and Carolyn." Hey, I'm not seeing these. Signed Carolyn for rare encounter untitled episode. Very interesting. Uh, we got nine 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 sats from lavish saying Canadian Boy Scout boost and eight 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 sats from anonymous. Uh, saying army cadets boost Carolyn. <laughs> so why is Carolyn <laughs> yeah, boosting? I'm not seeing his... any of these. Uh, LB is fucking me around again or something. Uh, they're coming in hot right now. Uh, well, I'm on it. I think uh, C no uh, NetNed sent in a seven 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 sats after the last uh, episode ended, and it said, "I am a good potato." So I just want to include I thought that. he sent that in before we ended the show. It says six days ago, so maybe. Maybe. Anyway, um, I think that was it for Micro Mouse. I mean, there's a lot of detail in the video that was about strategies and the uh, sort of the thresholds that they reach where they think no one's going to uh, no one's going to be able to get to the end of the maze faster. And then someone invents a new technique or technology where they start um, they start uh kind of breaking through the limits and so they've had a number of these since it started i believe in the 80s uh, some of them had to do with uh, how they dealt with diagonals and trying to find diag so what you can do is because of the size of the maze as long as you can make your micro mouse narrow enough you don't have to do a turn at every corner you can kind of cut cut corners and it turned it turns out that when you cut enough corners, you can actually uh, decrease the linear distance you have to drive. And that was one. And so now everyone's skirting diagonals as much as they can. And the second one was looking for longer straightaways where you can accelerate up to a faster speed. So you're sort of acceleration limited. And if you can get, you know, those long runs up to a high velocity, um, it might be worth taking a longer linear route if you're only talking about distance, but if you start putting in the um, like the motion profile of the mouse, so you know if it can accelerate at a certain rate and everything, you you have a model of that built in. You start simulating your mouse driving through the maze before you actually drive through it. You know, in the in the memory of it, and come up with. A route that not only gets you there, it doesn't try and get you there in the shortest distance, but in the shortest time. Um, basically, and it selects for these long straightaways when you do that. Um, so anyway, there's there's a lot of details with you know, even the maintenance of the, the mice and the kinds of sensors they have on them. 
just fascinating. Uh, someone mentioned in chat this uh, periscoping mouse, and they had a video of this they showed pretty early on in the video, where the uh, micro mouse has a camera. It turns out that it's not illegal to make your mouse really tall, as they had to do in the old days, uh, because, you know, you had to fit a lot of stuff. The maze is only so big, and you had to fit all kinds of crap on top of it, because... You know, things weren't so miniaturized these days, those days. And they actually had a mouse with a sort of a scissor lift on top and a webcam. So at the start of the maze, uh, at the start of the run, it would lift this camera up, look at the maze, take a picture and try and uh, try and make a map of it. You register a map of the maze from a photograph. That's clever. Yeah. And the way the judging worked, uh, the timer didn't start until you leave the first cell. So the first uh, square that you're in. So they got to do that, uh, pre-compute their paths. So there's all kinds, all kinds of fucky, funny business there. You know, the next thing they need to do in this is get rid of the cells and go to a more uh, organic shape of mazes. Yeah, they're going to have to do that. I, I really think the known objective, where they put the objective in the center of the maze and the known dimensions, that has to go away. And... For the modern micro mouse to breathe some life into this, because it's it's really been the same kind of competition. I think that the terrain should look more like a um, like a Warhammer 40k kind of board. You know? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like absolutely. The mice the mice have to get past like a whole bunch of a uh, whole bunch of like Imperial guards over. It's got orcs. Over there, some Chaos Space Marines. Yeah, There's, it's got a some few orcs. orcs. Watch out for the Eldar. Yep. The Tyranids are coming in. Yeah, yeah, I gotta watch out for those Tyranids, too. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> no, I think that there could be a lot lot to do with uneven surfaces. Um, no one has pointed out um, yet, I'm sure someone has, that mice actually have four legs. They don't have wheels. So uh, maybe there's something there. Uh, I think this kind of competition. I, I don't know about. I don't know about going to that just yet because you know you'd end up with like Boston Dynamics winning every year. I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of people involved in ambulating uh, robots. Yeah, but I mean, you got these little. You got these little like robot mice, and then this huge fucking robot Rottweiler comes and like smashes and chews them all up and then there's only the boston dynamics mouse left mm. no I, I i i'm a fan of changing the landscape with uneven surfaces <laughs> I, I i think you should so, have to I'm sorry, scale sorry. a wall servo servo said in the chat botweiler botweiler yeah <laughs> you know just to bring everything around uh maybe you could have kind of a solid snake kind of character maybe it's a canadian boy scout could be little robot, and he has to get through the maze too. And and you put you put in the maze a well, and little <laughs> Robo Timmy can fall down it, and then you need Robo Lassie to save him. Lassie, starring Jude Lockhart. Oh man, is she still around? Last I looked, Jude Lockhart. I was don't still think around. so. Probably not. Man, but yeah, Micro Mouse really. Uh, Jude Lockhart born. Present? No, she is alive and well. Oh, well, wow! Age ninety-seven. Oh, wow! June Lockhart. Damn, damn, lady. <sighs> well, she is kicking it. I think that's uh, a good end to Micro Mouse. You can put that. Uh, what do we want to do bed. now? Um, 
Well, we've got some games. I think uh, you have an operation. Op- I've got it called Operation Cortisone 3, but you had a different name for it. Yeah, I called it Operation Switch. You want to do that first? And then after that, I have the game of the week for you as a tease. Sure. All right. We'll go from games to games then. Okay. To games. So Operation Cortisone 3 slash Operation Switch. Let's do it. Yep. So this weekend was the Toronto Game Jam. And, well, I sucked. <laughs> I, I, I was... You went through the motions. That's all I can say is, so here's my experience. I went, I knew that the Toronto Game Jam was kind of coming to a close. So I went up and preemptively was looking for uh, Cold Acid's entry. And I was looking for, and I did find it, and it was a non-working version. And I thought, this is this is something else. You, you uploaded a non-working build of the game to itch.io saying, don't run this, it doesn't work. But you, you uploaded it anyway. Yeah, yeah, I thought that just was fascinating. On, just on the just on the wire because the com- the well, it's not really competition, but the jam proper ends at six o'clock. So anyway, I downloaded this game. Um, I, I I should let you introduce it uh, first, yeah. so then I'll tell you game. my experience. You you don't see it, but I'm like doing the whole like finger quotes thing and everything when I say it like that. So, I thought it was a very high concept. I thought I was being trolled and owned uh, when I was playing this, okay? But why don't you tell tell everyone what your game was? I, I actually had a concept because the theme for this year was like, you can't take it with you or you have to leave it behind, right? And so my idea was, why not make a kind of edgy game uh, where you have to evacuate your home in a matter of minutes, Right. And so you got to you got to grab what you need to take with you. So you like grab your keys and wallet and your pills, right? And and leave behind like you know the the PlayStation, the uh, <laughs> like the box of, the box of snacks, shit like that, right? So the, this is the a, washing machines. So right? basically, it's an is it an inventory management management like micro speed run game? No, like you would you would actually start off in the bedroom, right? And there'd be stuff there'd be stuff there in the bedroom lying around, right? So you'd you'd see on the you'd see in the in the game, like you'd see like the dresser there and there's stuff on top of it, right? And there's a there's a ta- there's an end table next to the bed with stuff on it, right? You can open you can click on the drawer to open it up and see what's in there, right? Like that. And same for all the other rooms, right? That okay. was the that was the idea. So you could actually like grab stuff, although you'd only have limited space for for carrying stuff, right? So like if you want more space, like you'd have you'd have like your hands in your pockets, right? Essentially to start with. But you can grab a bag and you can fill up the bag, right? And you can carry that or if you're smart enough to grab the keys, you can you can like carry stuff to the car and stuff it in there, right? <laughs> That was that's the idea. Mm. Of course, I did not deliver. Not no. even close. So when you play this un- incomplete game, the first thing I notice is there's a lot of menus between you and starting the game. Yes, that's because that's because I started from an example project that uh, I did not pull that stuff out of uh, because I was trying to I was trying to get to other things. <laughs> Yeah, we had Which a, I failed at. I, 
I I didn't know what was happening because it said escape, and at one point I was looking at my keyboard. I said, "Well, I just push the escape key," and, see, and that didn't work. And I was clicking on the escape button, and the escape button didn't do anything. <laughs> and I clicking other rooms, and I was like, "Whoa, is this some weirdo puzzle?" I really, really thought that it was uh, some kind of thing you were trolling me with, but <laughs> oh well. I wish that would have been more fun. So my I, I like the idea though of the uh, the speed running inventory management like here's a here's an when you say you can't take it with you I and you apply it to games I always think of like a maybe a JRPG or something where you have limited inventory and you go and you find something that's cool out you know it's a good drop it's a rare drop but it's not rare enough and you already have some good stuff and you have to decide which thing you have to throw you have to toss since when have jrpgs had any sort of like limited inventory at most there's like a limit of how many of a single item you can have usually 99 or 999 (laughs) of any particular thing you want you want real inventory management in a computer RPG? You're going to the you're going to the Western games. You're going you're back right, to like fucking right. Baldur's Gate and Neverwinter Nights, man. There you go. That's what I was really think. JRPG was the wrong word. Or maybe how about this? Okay, here's the JRPG version of this. Um, you're playing Pokemon Blue, and this is this is maybe what the game is actually. It's sort of a mock up that looks like Pokemon Blue, and you've gone and done um, like the item duplication glitch. Classic glitch from uh, Pokemon Blue, but you were off by one, and instead of getting 255 rare candies, you get like um, 255 escape ropes or something, because you were off by one, right? And now you have to spend your time dropping... In order to, to dupe the next item, you have to toss 255 escape ropes as fast as possible, and it's a marathon setting. So there's like a live audience yelling at you. There's a commentator oh, who's scrolling, you know, who's, who's saying shit. That's that's what I think of. Uh, okay, you, you want to have like a whole fucking crowd and like managing things. One of the other games that, w- that actually resulted in something playable is called... Soko MMO, and it is a massively multiplayer Sokoban with lasers. <laughs> with lasers? With lasers. So you're running around, pushing boxes, uh, occasionally grabbing coins, and then some motherfucker like sets up a laser on the other side of the map, turns it on, and zaps you. <laughs> you never even saw the bastard. Um, Which one was this? I can't see it in the... Soko MMO. Soko MMO. I'll put it. I'll put it in the chat. Wow. I played a couple. I played Light Crumbs. I didn't play that one. The you know the one that really impressed me. Like at, like every year, uh, this guy Jim he does he does like Commodore Pet D makes of classic arcade games. And this year, he did Petsky Brothers. I saw that too. Yeah, <laughs> that was fun. I didn't play it. Is, like the the pet does not ha- it does not have any graphics capabilities. Everything is just characters on a monochrome screen. Mm. So all of that that you see in the game, those are those are like the pet ski character set in use. Yeah. So like you, you it's pretty badass how he how he pulls this off. Uh, it looks really nice. The rendering it looks like it has a filter that uh, with scan lines. Uh, that's because that's because he's probably turned on scanline options in Vice. 
However, he did show his battle station uh, just before the beginning of the competition, and he actually did have a real pet sitting there on the desk, uh, raised up behind his laptop, and hooked up so that he could take the game as he's working on it, and boot it up on the pet, and make sure it's working like it, like it was in the emulate, like in Vice. So yeah, I mean that that's pretty fucking uh, that's pretty fucking dedicated. Yeah. I'm a fan of game jams. Anyone who wants to do a game jam, I would recommend just doing one. Uh even if you're not really sure how you're going to build the game and at the time, I think uh it's a great learning opportunity. Uh it's a great chance to like <laughs> bite off more than you can chew and just get as much done as possible and uh you know, it's Kind of low stakes if you don't quite make it, but now, it's there a were, lot there of were fun. Another, there were another few ones that uh, that I really I really want to call out as uh, as interesting. Um, there's a game called Bait Watch. Uh oh! And it, it plays itself. You get you get money, which you can use to buy things that you can plant in the ground, and then these creatures will run around and eat the stuff you've planted. And leave behind droppings that you can pick up for more money. But if you click on if you click on the screen when they're around, they all panic and run away for a while. Hmm. So the game the game essentially just like you start it and you just let it run. Essentially, uh, when you have money, you buy the you buy the upgrades to uh, to plant in the places. Very very chill. Nice music to it too. Uh, another one that I want to call out is, uh, uh, what's it called again? Uh, Partial Recall. I saw that. I didn't play it, though. I, I did see it, yeah. though. So it's it's Portal, but it, where instead of Chell, it's a robot that can remove its own limbs and then summon them back later. So you can you can pull off, like, an arm and stick it to something... And then, like, use it to activate or grab something uh, later on. And then, like, if you've grabbed something with your arm all the way over on the other side of the room, you can then have it summon zip right back, still holding the thing that you grabbed. This sounds like Dead Space Gary's mod. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, without, without creepy baby tentacle monsters. And eye, getting your eyeball drilled out? Yeah. Mm. Oh, speaking of eyeballs, that's another one I was, that I want to mention I'm because curious. my my pre-show my pre-show post right had this big red eye in it, mm -hmm. right? I, I'm sure you saw that. Yep. And that's from one of the games that was made. It looked like the, and the Overlord a, from the from yeah. Starcraft, the well, Hive Mind or whatever. That's what it looks like. Just I don't know. It's supposed to be like this weird creepy thing that's watching you as you're like trying to sneak out of an abandoned insane asylum or sorry abandoned hospital mm. uh, here's the yeah the game is called ICU <laughs> which is which is clever because like it's a hospital but also ICU I see right? you so ICU is a stealth is a single player stealth game that is set in a post apocalyptic world as an old man fend to left to fend for yourself in a hospital evacuated long ago, your only choices of surviving are to run or hide from whatever could be waiting for you outside. But mm. alas, you must manage your weak heart in, midst, in the midst of the terror. 
So, uh, so what's happening is like when it when it sees you and it's shining its bright eye on you. There's this life meter that like <laughs> has a bright or eye. death meter. Like there's a meter that fills up, and if it fills up the whole way, then you die and game over. Turn right? But if you're, hi- if you're hiding, it can't see you. Then then it's like it like decreases, and you're calmer. Turn like, around. It's a bright eye. It, it's a pretty. It is. It's a pretty spooky game. <laughs> pretty right. fun, spooky looking game. No, it looks. And cool. so is the last one that I'm going to mention. Okay. Called Elude. Elude. This is Elude. <laughs> this is a. It's kind of a. It's an adventure game, kind of platformy, but not really platformy. Where you're playing as a as a woman who's like haunted by her dead boyfriend and you have to find these things around the apartment so that he so that his spirit stops tormenting you it's very atmospheric the the art style is pretty is pretty decent although when the when the dead boyfriend shows up it's really slender like so oh wow uh, it's distributed yeah. this this elude is distributed as a rar file I'm Is gonna, it now? Yes. Yeah, you're going to need a Win, Windows 11 computer to open that these days. What, WinRAR doesn't work anymore? Oh, well. I'm just commenting on the fact that Windows 11, uh, they, did you hear that? They're going to put native support for RER? <laughs> well, that'll, that'll, make, that'll make the Eastern Europeans happy, I guess. That is such a weird announcement, but I saw that the other day. You know, we, you know all these, all these years... And Windows still doesn't have native support for LZH files. Nope. Which are still common in Asia. And you know where they you know where that format originated? Windows. On the motherfucking Amiga, bitch. Oh wow. Yeah. Gotta rub that in. Lempel Ziv. Famous uh, Well the LZH format in particular. I mean like practically all practically all like the common uh Compression formats are Lempel Ziv based. Yeah, right? well, there's a couple different varieties. Like um, Lempel Ziv is sort of the canonical. Like when you learn about how f- <laughs> file compression which is why, works, which is you why learn like, Lempel almost Ziv. everything is based on it. Yeah. So if you uh, just just like these search algorithms, that's one of the algorithms that you learn when you start studying them. Uh, very cool. Lempel Ziv search. Yep. Wait a Maybe minute. that'll be what's next in the mice race. <laughs> Lempel Ziv search. How would that work? You keep a you keep a dictionary of all the places you looked before. Yeah, I suppose you would. Is that is that how? What if I? How do I compress this maze uh, in such a way that the uh, the shortest path is uh, is uh, becomes apparent? Becomes you know the unity property of it. Well, that that you'll have to figure out yourself. Huh, that's interesting. I, I can't explain too much of it, right? Or or then like. The, like the Canadian the, Boy the Scouts will kill will be you. Lost. <laughs> oh boy! All right, all right. I think it is time for the game of the week. Yes. All right. This is the game of the week, the part of the show where Cold Acid is uh, challenged to his physical and mental limits. With some new intriguing game every week, the game's different. Uh, he doesn't know the answer. Usually I tell him beforehand what the game is, but this time he doesn't know until right now. Let's all find out together. The game of the week this week is Bop It. 
the fabulous electronic game uh, that some of you may remember as a electronic toy. You put batteries in, and then it's a rhythm game um, in the style uh, reminiscent of of stuff like Dance Dance. But it's a it's a it's a toy that you have, and there's a switch on it that you can bop, and there's a. a Another kind of switch that you can pull, and there's another switch you can twist. And so uh, as it plays through, uh, it'll tell you what to do, and you respond with the appropriate action by, you know, bopping it or twisting it or pulling it. There's all these advanced versions of Bop It. I found out there's an arcade version. I've been doing some studying up on Bop It to prepare for this. And uh, I decided classic Bop It's the way to go. Um... It's very simple, you know, it, there's a beat, you have to match the rhythm, and uh, you just have to get all of the instructions, you know, w with the rhythm, so it'll be like, bop it, and then that's when you bop it, right? Right in, right in time. Okay, so I've never played bop it. I'm glad you're going with the classic rather than the arcade, because I'm all out of quarters. Uh, <laughs> indeed. All right, um, I've got four rounds. Only four rounds, and uh, I think they all have a little metronome count in, so you'll hear it right at the beginning. Right, that, that'll be the cue, and then the first instruction will come right after that. And it, um, as you get through the levels, you know, the pace picks up a little bit. It's a little little bit uh, more difficult, and uh, I don't know, good luck. You ready? Nope. <laughs> well, here it comes. Pull it. Pull it. Twist it. Twist it. Bop it. Bop it. Bop it. Bop it. All right, so good, 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 good. Usually, if you were going to bop it, you go, you you know, you'd hit it or something like that, or you're twisting it, you got to turn it, right? Bop it, pop it, you know, however it works. But I'll give you a, a ding for that. Uh, I think that was sufficient for a, a passing. So that was one of four. That's you ready? Good. Ready for round two? I guess. A little bit faster. Here we go. On rear encounter, bop it. Round two. Pull it. Pull it. Twist it. Twist it. Bop it. Bop it. Twist it. Twist it. Bop it. Bop it. Bop it. Bop it. Pull it. Pull it. Twist it. Twist it. Bop it. Bop it. Bop it. Bop it. All right. That was it. That was round two. You're two for two. All right. The pig's just going to pick up. It's going to be a little uh, little bit faster, a little trickier. I hope you're ready. Uh, let's go for it. Let's do it. Bop it. Bop it. <laughs> okay, yeah, you got it. Close that enough. Was... <laughs> that, was, that was what we call a trick play. It's kind of like an offside kick for Bop It. <laughs> uh, All right, final round, final round. Uh, you you ready for this one? This will this will be for uh, if you get this one, you will sweep the entire game. All right. Let's do this. Let's go. Bop it. Round four on rare encounter game of the week. Bop it. Bop it. Pull it. Pull it. Twist it. Twist it. Pull 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 it. Twist it. <laughs> so close, so close, and then, and then I'm like the fucking Maple Leafs. No, just like, uh, just like the Maple Leafs. You know, oh my god. So, that was three out of four. I think that was... It's still a passing grade! Ah, that's right, you can be the Austin Matthews of Bop It if you want. Three... <laughs> 
Three out of four is good enough. Uh, you have to grow a mustache. Wait, do you have a mustache? No, I shaved it. Oh, are you gonna bring? I back- can't stand when I have the mustache because it just itches too much. You, are you gonna bring back the pencil mustache anytime soon? You used to have one. No, God, no, no, I'm not. <laughs> Did you learn your lesson? That's when it's at its fucking itchiest. Uh, but the thing is, it's fucking patchy. My fucking mustache is patchy. Never mind my beard. All right, let's get out of the game of the week. Yeah. All right, that's it. Uh, how about an operation for you? I've been making a lot of fun here. Uh, you've got two more we haven't done yet. Um, I do. Rattlesnake? Operation Rattlesnake? Yeah, let's go with Operation Rattlesnake. Operation Rattlesnake! So this was a TIL for me. Okay. Uh, it was a, also a TIL for Klaatu over on No Agenda Social, which is how I found it. Apparently... Once upon a time, and possibly even now, ranchers would make phone calls using barbed wire. Did you know that? No, I did not. I knew about electric fences, obviously, but bar- I did not know about the data potential of barbed wire. I'm not even sure. I'm not even sure if they were if they were electrified or not. They might have just like clipped onto the barbed wire and strummed it for all I know. But apparently, you'd be able to. Call- You'd be able to, like, reach somebody on the other side of, like, a 40,000-mile ranch or something. Sorry, 4,500-square-mile <laughs> 4, okay. ranch, right? And it would it'd be faster than sending out a rider to the, to, the, uh, to the camps on the other side. Instead, like, you'd ring up the barbed wire and, and like, talk and talk to your cowboys down at the other end of the ranch. Let them let them know there's a bushfire coming. Or, <laughs> there's a bushfire. Or the rattlesnakes are are biting everybody. Someone's poisoned the water hole on the big range. I'm out the, <laughs> I was out in the big range. You know what? There's a snake in my boot. Better put better put it on the barbed wire. Oh man, that's pretty awesome. Uh, yeah. I when you think about it, yeah, that's probably probably about right. I don't know Appa- how you apparently would... apparently like. People were people were still doing like this in the seventies on their on their farms and ranches. Okay, that's a little more believable. Um, yeah, but I mean, I like that. this is this is something going from like the eighteen nineties until like until like only fifty years ago. I bet you could set up a, a network on that. You know, like those single single bus single line networks. It's all one one big metal. And yeah, you could do like uh, you could do a token ring on that. The token ring, the token would go around the ranch. It yeah, go to well, what go to the what water I'm hole. Is, what I'm thinking is right. Like uh, you, you use ground as the, the ground as the return itself, right? And so you just have like these. Uh, you just have like these bells or handsets like strung up every every mile or so along the fence, right? And when you need to get a message out, you just hook up the car battery to the uh, to the. To the barbed wire line, right? And it goes ringing everywhere else on the farm. Jeez. So you can pick up the phone and you call someone and say... Thanks for making me come. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Rattlesnake is pretty awesome uh, for an operation. 
It, it makes me, it makes me consider, like, because I keep thinking about this, like, about, uh, like, what ha what happens if, if they decide to shut down all the, all the regular means of communication on the internet, right? So I'm thinking, like, what, how are you going to put together these mesh networks and stuff, right? People, people, you might want to, like, you know, if you're friends with your neighbors, run a line from, from your house to theirs, right? Sort of thing. And, and start just, like, wiring up things yourself. No more relying on, on, like, government grants or mob bell to do it for you. You take it into your, you take it into your own hands, right? Yeah, party line on the barbed wires, as <laughs> Pfeiffer. Yeah. <laughs> so, I was going to say, Operation Rattlesnake is a good name uh, for an operation, but I recently had the opportunity to go to El Paso, Texas, in New Mexico, and I was working uh, kind of out in the wilderness with uh, with some folks talking, and anyway, at a facility which had a lot of rattlesnakes around it, and uh, they all had a bucket by the door, and I remember I walked inside uh, the building, and they had a shovel, like a spade shovel, big full-size shovel, and they had a five-gallon, like, Home Depot bucket, and the side of the bucket on it said danger noodle. <laughs> and that's what they called the rattlesnake. And so the it was because the snakes were all out there. And so you get the shovel, you smack the rattlesnake and kill it. And then you pick it up and you put it in the bucket. Uh, and nice. that's, where they, that's what they called them. They were danger noodles and uh, nope ropes. Nope ropes. Nope ropes and danger noodles. <laughs> I like that name. Uh, I thought you might like that. All right, should we uh, conclude Operation Rattlesnake, or is there more to the cowboy call? Oh, I think, <laughs> cowboy I think that's collect it. call. Wow, I try to get okay, that Okay, so, so something came through now that I see. I see that, uh, yeah, Boobery just sent in 8888 sats. Yes. Barbed wire boost with a link. What is this link? Let's copy and open it in the browser. It what is, is he sending us today? It's a lady with a gun and leather gloves. Yeah. Well, thank you, Hot. Burberry. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> this will be my fat material tonight. I mean, <laughs> no, I would, I would never, I would never not to my anime. No. <laughs> well, uh, I've got something about anime. Uh, maybe we could do a quick operation, Operation Lifestyle. Yeah. Operation Lifestyle is, it's, this is a really bad one. I used to call these throwaway stories on Rare Encounter. Uh, Operation Dude, Life most of our stories are throwaways. <laughs> most, of, most of our episodes, you know, most of these podcasts, you can just throw them away. You can get your RSS, um, get your podcatcher, and set, what you do is you set that, uh, the folder where it saves everything, just set that to the recycling bin, you save the middleman, it's great. Um, yeah, <laughs> Operation Lifestyle is a life hack article on why anime nerds are highly satisfied. Are you ready for this? Okay, I'm not highly satisfied in life, so so what is this bullshit? Well, this is the life hack article. I'd be more highly satisfied if I had. Well, you know, <laughs> I want to I want to get through this article really fast. Uh, I just want to run right. down, and we're going to do maybe a yes or no on each of these. And <laughs> you do and, the odd ones, I do the even ones. How's that? Okay. Uh, number one, they're immersed. Here's let me preface this: Why anime nerds are highly satisfied according to Lifehack.org. Number one, 
they're immersed in vivid colors regularly. Yeah, sure. I'm, I'm, I mean, yeah, anime's colorful, but also, like, if you're, a lot of anime people are either artists or, like, techies, and so we have, like, HDR shit going on with our computers and everything. So, yeah, we see lots of bright, shiny, and magical, vivid colors. Mm. Number two! They learn new things often. I'll say that's true, but I'm not sure it has a lot to do with watching anime. No, I don't think it has a lot to do with watching it. Uh, uh, like, I've been watching anime for decades. Do I know how to speak Japanese or read or write it? Uh, fuck no, I don't. I haven't learned that. I that's think, new to me. I think these are things that are sort of adjacent to the milieu. Not necessarily, they don't have a lot to do with what... It's like when you move to Colorado, you find out that Colorado uh, has some of the fittest population in the U.S. Healthiest population. And so it's like, oh, if I move there, I'll get a lot healthier. Well, no, you know, it's a, it's not a causal relationship. It's just a... Um, um, it's just an association. It's just when you're, when you're living a mile above sea level... And the and the air's thinner. Well, you're you tire out a lot faster. Yeah, I don't. I don't even think it's that. I think it's just sort of the culture they have promotes it. It's like if you're going in, just like this, you know, you say, "Oh, uh, anime fans learn new things often." Well, I'm gonna watch anime so I learn new things often. Well, that's not gonna work, dog. It's just something that's a side effect of the community that's yeah, there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, fat guy moves to Colorado. He's gonna stay a fat guy. He's, he's not gonna. He's not gonna turn into Chad Thundercock. Or maybe you will. Who knows? Number three, they exercise. Wait for it. Their imaginations. I'll give it that. But it's still Oops. an adjacent thing. <laughs> they don't exercise. Man, I, 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 I act well. Thanks to anime. When I exercise my imagination, I also exercise my bone. Mm, yes. But uh, I, I'm not too sure about it, like, of providing, like, non-erotic imagination support. Uh, um, like, sh I don't I think it's any better than any other TV in that regard. If you're, go if you're going to have a strong imagination, you're going to do stuff with it, it doesn't matter if you're watching anime or or if you're watching The Simpsons or what, it's because you're not watching that stuff to such levels that you're classified as like an anime nerd or a Simpsons fan or what have you. And you know, Simpsons, Simpsons even pointed this out in a funny way where like, like the, we are, wa you are watching Fox. We are watching Fox and damn TV. <laughs> like Bart being like, damn TV because he can't, he couldn't imagine anything. Hmm. Well, you know, when I see anime, I always say... Thanks for making me come. Same. <laughs> All right. Uh, you've got number four. Number four. Yeah. They explore meaningful concepts regularly. Uh, I call bullshit. <clears throat> ah, bullshit. That's a fail. No. Yeah. No. Meaningful concepts? This is like someone who watched uh, Psychopaths and thought... <laughs> Thought it was a uh, extremely meaningful show. No, I don't think so. Number no, five. You, I mean, there's you're, there's always there's always going to be like there's always going to be like yeah, the themes and issues and yeah, they they will put out meaningful concepts. But that's no different than 
most other popular media. I'm just right? picturing the guy it's, who watches Dr. Stone and thinks there's something meaningful about the, uh, oh, you know, it's a meaningful concept. We're restarting civil, you know, it's, it's fuck yeah, off. You, it's you, not you want, that. You want, to, you want to pick up, like, you want to pick up meaningful concepts Go go pick up some Hume or some Nietzsche or some uh, Darrow, right? Read philosophy. Nietzsche. Nietzsche. Eh, I don't know, dude. Nietzsche is underrated, and a lot of the a lot of the bad views of him aren't really his fault. Nietzsche ha- Nietzsche hated nationalism, the German people, and he loved Jews. And somehow, somehow the Nazis made him their idol. Are these meaningful concepts you can explore? Yeah, the con- the meaningful concept of irony. <laughs> pretty, pretty much all all the negative image that Nietzsche has. Well, ninety percent of it is because of his Nazi sister, and the other ten percent is because people just give like a cursory glance at his work, think he's a nihilist not actually read into it and realize that nihilism is one of the things he was fighting against in his works. Well, I, instead of Nietzsche, I recommend Etchy. His cousin. I'm always good for Etchy. <laughs> Number five, they really value friendship. That's, that's like, oh, come on, everyone values friendship. This, uh, well, me- yeah, this is a well, meaningless that, thing. That's why, that's why I'm saying, like, that one, like, is like, eh, because, like, other than the most misanthropic assholes, who doesn't value friendship? Um, I mean, even me, as misanthropic as I am, I value my friends. Who is the guy? Who is the guy from uh, Crime and Punishment? Roskonikov, uh cannot remember. Raskolnikov. Yeah, is uh, something like that. Romanovich. He has way too many names. All these Russian literature guys—they have too many names. Uh, I was going to say I like Dostoevsky a little better. And that was not a book about the value of friendship, just to be clear. No. <laughs> uh, yeah, number, number six. six. Yeah. They always have the perfect cure for a bad day. Yep. Just grab some hentai and uh, a box of Kleenex and you're off to the races. Oh, no. <laughs> And her head is gone. (laughs) Number seven. They know that nothing is impossible. I'm going to call bullshit on that. Yeah, that's total bullshit. So first, nothing is impossible. Not true. Also, you know that? No, I don't think so. I know that there are impossible things. Well, I also recognize that there is a possibility for impossible things to be possible in other universes but not in ones that would still result in any of us because well that's just the that's just the way the physics cookie crumbles right if you have a different set of of universal constants well you're going to have a whole different kettle of fish going on in your universe kettle of fish i love that phrase by the way number yeah, 8 as servo says you will never be isekai to an anime girl harem universe and that just hurts more every day Number eight. They can easily make new friends. Bullshit! Nope. No, and and anyway, most people can't easily make new friends. This isn't something unique. Easily making new friends. Only extroverts can easily make new friends. Uh, I think... And even then, are they really really friends, or are they just people you're friendly with 
who whose like actual relationship to you is shallower than like your av your average uh, North's uh, gene pool. Yeah, I have the uh, the same kind of relationship as with uh, Tom from MySpace. Yeah, <laughs> we're friends. Yeah, I don't think so. Number nine, they're comfortable with being quote unquote weird. Yeah, I think true enough. Yeah. It's one of these. I used to be uncomfortable with it, and then I realized that uh, being uncomfortable with it, letting people get under my skin for it, wasn't really doing me any good. I had said, you know, fuck it. I'm just going to be the weirdest motherfucker I can be, and if people don't like it, they can lick my hairy taint. <laughs> I had to. I was Come on, bitches! Lick it! I was stomping the floor trying to find my stomper. <laughs> <laughs> and you got the last one. Yep. Number 10, they get to cosplay. I'm going to say uh, no. What do, you mean, what do you mean no? They get to, everyone gets to cosplay. Yeah, everybody gets to, okay, but you get to cosplay and not feel as awkward about it. Okay, yeah, fine. But I'm going to point out that they could have easily said they drink water, they breathe air, they eat food. They this like dogs <laughs> and children. This is uh, a shit list life hack, absolute shit article. Who wrote this? Kyla what do Matthews. You expect? It's life hack. Yeah, I'm just pointing it out. Remember, they used to be owned by HuffPo. Oh, God. Just the name Lifehack, you know, kind of puts you in the mindset of, of, like, a ridiculous Redditor who thinks that there's such thing as well, a Lifehack. I mean, you look at, you look at when, the, when the site first came out and, and was popular, that was, like, the golden age of Reddit millennials. Oh, gross. All right. I think we got to close this one up. That was, that was all ten. Um... I think we're running long today. Holy shit. We are. Well, uh, we had a little bit of a late start. Somebody somebody didn't show up yeah. uh, right away. Well, we we did start pretty close to on time, I think. Uh, uh, Servo's got a great life hack for us in the chat. He says, poop before showering. <laughs> Serv That's very good. Very good life hack. Don't poop during your shower. Poop before you shower. Then you don't have to poop into your hand and try and throw it in the toilet and miss and splatter your poop all over across the bathroom floor. All right. I Thank do... you very much, Servo, for that. You don't want to have a stomper. Don't lay a stomper in there. <laughs> no, save your stomps for the podcast. Save your stomps for a rare encounter. <laughs> okay. Uh, we. I think we should uh, maybe do one more. We've got... Uh... I'm, I'm going to take Operation Bet on Red. That one we have to push forward to next week. Um, it's too long I think, of a discussion. I think we can, we, can push forward, we can push forward my last operation to next week as well. And let's do Operation Bet my, my, my guess is you didn't get, a, you didn't get around uh, after, after Sunday, our talk on Sunday, about, uh, about the, what that's going to be covering. So I'll give you more time to, you know, Five Finger and, uh, and Popcorn. I am going to choose between, let's see, we got Operation Newspaper Wrap and Operation Break a Leg. Ooh, 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 ooh. Which one seems... They're kind of the last two on the list. Operation Break a Leg. Operation I say break a leg. Break a Leg. 
Okay, this is a fun one. This one comes by every year. I, we must have talked about it before, but it's a great conclusion to Rare Encounter uh, just because it's got some great photos inside. Of course, I am talking about the big cheese of extreme UK sports is back. This is an AP Woo! News article. Contestants chase cheese wheel down a hill in chaotic UK race. This is one of my favorite quote-unquote sports events. It happens every year, and basically, for those who are uninitiated, there's a very steep hill in the UK, and they roll a wheel of cheese down the hill, and like 50 people chase the cheese to the bottom. Usually, they take two steps and fall on their face. I'm looking at the pictures, and and some of these really remind me of... Uh... Of <laughs> MXC. Yeah, it's uh, it's great. I mean, photo number one, we've got some dude with hay in his mouth. There's a lot of face planting and falling going on if you click through these. Yeah. The, uh, the next ones, where, where you see the people actually, like, coming down the hill, it's like when uh, Captain Tennille goes, get it on, right? And everybody go. starts charging. <laughs> let's go. <laughs> yep. And so they raced out. I never knew from this photo number three, you could see that there's a house on the bottom of the hill. I didn't, yeah. I didn't know there was a house there. I thought there was a field at the bottom. Well, it may, it makes sure that you don't like, you don't like keep on rolling into traffic, right? <laughs> if you, if you fall down the hill, you don't keep going. You hit the wall of the house instead and stop. Imagine being on like a practice run a week before you kind of just roll into dinner. <laughs> oh my what's this oh hi um i'm just practicing for the cheese oh how lovely would you care for some tea oh i'm fine i have cheese <laughs> thank you uh, Did you read the whole article i love i love this uh, i love the of the last the the two of the last three paragraphs <laughs> Canadian contestant Delaney Irving, 19, won the women's race despite being briefly knocked unconscious. <laughs> I just remember hitting my head, and now I have the cheese, said Irving, who comes from Nanaimo, British Columbia. And you know, that line, that line is like something one of the contestants in MXC would say. <laughs> I just remember hitting my head, and now I have the cheese! Woohoo! And yeah. then, it's like... Uh, yeah, for, from Team Psychics, you know. I see five men in my future. <laughs> stupid shit. <laughs> oh, was oh, it the? What's it the Vikram? No, not it wasn't. Uh, Kenny Brankenship's most painful eliminations of the day. Kenny Blankenship's most painful eliminations of the day is what it's called. Right, you yeah. are Ken. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get it on. All right. I think we've we've brought this to a conclusion. Uh, it's a fun story. Uh, over, it's an awesome story. We, over should, time. we should have a... You know, we should... If we have a get-together again in the future, we should find a hill and roll cheese down and get people to chase after it. Oh, cheese. But you'd better ask her nice. Cheese was the girl yeah. next door. Until... <laughs> <laughs> Well, until next time, I've been Abel Kirby. I've been cold acid. Uh, let's wheel that cheese down the proverbial hill. And I'll see you next week. Stay fruity, boys. Adios.
she lay down and died. Looking away my body tell me she wasn't satisfied. 